Good morning, HCC. It's Sunday, and it's really strange to come into this building and not see you. You're not here with us. Uh, today, it's just Bo and I and Bill, and that feels really strange. And it actually is really hard for me just to speak to a camera. Um, so for me, I'm just picturing you and your family. I'm picturing you sitting on your sofa all snuggled together. I'm picturing that you have your Bibles with you, right? You have your Bibles open, ready to hear what God has to say to you today. And um, today I want us to just look at how we can see the invisible. I know that doesn't make sense to our minds, but God wants us to learn to see the invisible, to look at things that we cannot see. You know, he says that as believers, we need to live by faith and not by sight. Meaning, don't let what we see, don't let the bad news that we see deter us from what he's doing. Um, God is at work, and we need to... Um, we want to learn how to see life from his perspective. So that's what we're going to look at today. But before we go any further, I'd just like us to stop and pray. Thanks. Father God, we're so grateful that when we come to you, we know that we are coming to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Sovereign Ruler, the God who is so far above us that we can never understand, a mysterious God, a God who loves us so much that he was willing to come and live with us and suffer the ultimate torture to pay for our sins so that we could be your children. God, I'm so thankful that you've given us your word where you tell us everything we need to know about who you are and about what you're doing. So we would just come to you this morning. We come to you with a humble and teachable heart saying, God, you are God and we are not. And we want to learn from you. Will you open our understanding? Especially, Lord, show us where we're not looking at things from your perspective. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the way we look at life um, differs from person to person, right? There's, that's very obvious if you go to social media. You can hear one expert saying this and another expert saying something that sounds totally different. Our perspective of what is happening is different from, from each other. It's uh, based on a lot of things, but I want you as your family together, if you're looking at this picture right now, talk about what do you see in this picture? And boy, this is when I wish I could hear what your answers are. When I first looked at it, what I saw was trees, some grass huts, and some birds flying over. Do you see that? Well, look at it from an ang another angle. Do you see something else in this picture? Do you see the elephant? There's an elephant there. If you focus on the white, just the white space, that big elephant will jump out at you. And... Um, it's just a reminder to me that sometimes what you see isn't always what it seems. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. 
Paul is encouraging us to look at the invisible. And we're going to look at that this morning. You know, one day I was walking through a mall in Taiwan and see these young people with these funny-looking goggles on. It's called virtual reality. It makes them enter into another world, a world of games. But I thought, you know, sometimes that's what we just need to put on our blinders and maybe close our ears to all the bad news um, and to look for what God says about this, asking God to show us spiritual reality. All we can see is earthly reality without God, but he wants to show us spiritual reality. This is a quote from Jerry Bridges, and most of my message is based on this quote, so let me read it to you. God is completely sovereign. God is infinite in wisdom. God is perfect in love. God, in his love, always wills what is best for us. In his wisdom, he always knows what is best. And in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it about. That's from his book called Trusting God, and I highly recommend it. Those three things have become a framework for me when I'm facing unexpected, uninvited, unwanted trouble in my life. It's been over 20 years ago when I lost my first husband, Bill, to cancer. And um, it didn't make any sense to me that um, God would take him. We had three teenagers at the time. I know you know um, Bo is my son. At that time, Bo was 15. So it really didn't make any sense to me that God would, um, would take Bill. Uh, Bill was a godly man, and I knew God had the power to heal cancer if he chose. But unexpectedly, when we thought he was getting better, one morning he was just gone and God had taken him home. The next 18 months were a real trial of faith for me, a real test of faith. I wasn't sure what I believed about God anymore, and I was really seeking God, and as I look back, I look at it, it was a real wilderness, um, and it was the wilderness of why. I got stuck on why. God, why would you do this? It did not make any sense, and that's when I came across this book by Jerry Bridges. Now, his three... Um, statements there about God being sovereign, God being wise, and God loving me. I've added one more for my own benefit that has helped me um, just to get a better handle on what's going on, and that's the question, is God with me? So now, no matter what trouble I'm facing, whether it's as insignificant as turbulence on a plane, or whether it's another big life-changing event um, for me, um, I can ask myself, do I really believe that God is in control? Do I really believe in this situation where I am right now, is God sovereign? Is he the sovereign ruler or is something else in control? I ask myself, is God wise? Essentially, does God make any mistakes? The third question I ask myself, does God love me? And the fourth question, is God with me? These four questions have helped me over and over and over again. They are like my lifeline. And so that's, this is the basis of my message this morning. All I'm going to do is take each question one by one, and we're just going to look at scriptures to get God's perspective of what's happening from his perspective when we are in trouble. The first question, is God in control? Is God the sovereign ruler? Now, what I realized when I was going through that 18 months of why, 
somehow I had missed the fact that God is sovereign. I mean, maybe I would have said, sure, I believe that, but when it came down to God not doing what I thought he should do, I was really questioning, was he in control or did something else interfere? Did, you know, if I would have made Bill go to the hospital the night before, would he have survived? Um, those are the kind of questions I was struggling with. Is God really in control? In Isaiah 14, 24, he says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Just look at those words. God is saying, what I want to happen is going to happen. Nothing can interfere with what God wants to happen. God is in control. Here's another scripture. It's in Lamentations 3. Who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission? Does not the Most High send both calamity and good? That's kind of a hard one to swallow, isn't it? What about this one? Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. Boy. You know, when I first read those scriptures during that 18 month of wilderness when I'm really hurting, I didn't like what God was saying. <laughs> and yet, so what I did is I decided when I'm reading my, the Bible every morning, um, if I found a scripture that talked about God being in control of good and God being in control of bad, Whenever I found a scripture about God being sovereign, I would write it in the back of my Bible. There were six blank pages back there. And over the course of time, I filled up those six pages with scriptures that talk about God being sovereign. And what hit me is that this is God's story. From beginning to end, God has always been in control. And God has used good kings to accomplish his purposes, and God has used evil kings to accomplish his plans. God has used good things, and God has used bad things. Think about the flood. God was always in control. He was then. He is all through the Bible. God's sovereignty is there everywhere. I thought, how in the world could I have missed this before? God is in control of both bad and good. You know, um, Look at this one, Proverbs 19.21. For those of us who have had our schedules changed, it says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And don't we know that now, right? We can't plan a month from now. We don't even know what life will look like six months from now. Uh, but still, the Lord's purpose is what's going to be accomplished. It is being accomplished I read a quote by Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if you know about her. I know she's passed away by now, but she was a Jew that was in a Jewish concentration camp during World War II. And listen to this quote by Corey Ten Boom. She says, God has no problems, only plans. When our plans are interrupted, his are not. His plans are proceeding exactly as scheduled. 
Wow, what a woman of faith she was. God has no problems, only plans. And this COVID-19, this is not God's problem. This is his plan. And there are good things happening. Um, and I wanted to say that too. Do you know I read that sales of Bibles are up 40 to 60% from this time last year? That's a good thing. I believe God is at work to bring about his purposes in good and in bad. Okay, so the first question, is God in control? The second question I ask myself, is God wise? Does he make mistakes? This is Romans 11, 33, and 34. It's from a newer translation. I really liked how it said it. It says, who can ever wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depth of his wisdom, and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions or search out the mysterious way that he carries out his plans. For who has discovered how the Lord thinks? Or who is wise enough to be the one to advise him in his plans? Does, is God wise? Can we tell God what to do? Look at this one. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Rick used to explain it like this. It's like God's thoughts are way beyond ours. Our thoughts are way down here. There's a vast difference between the way we think and God thinks. But in Isaiah 55, he goes on to talk about his word and how his word bridges the gap between how he thinks and we think. The more time we spend in his word, the more we get to know him, the more we start to understand how he thinks. So that shows why it's so important to be in God's word, to get God's perspective, to learn to know God, to view life um, the way God does. Okay, the third question, does God love me? Now, this is one I really struggled with um, clear back in my 20s. I remember I went through seven years of just being sick, and I could not get well, and I kept ending up in the hospital. And I hadn't been a Christian very long at that time. And I can remember sitting in a hospital bed in a new town um, that I'd never been to and saying, God, do you love me? Like, why are you letting this happen to me? Um, I could not understand why I couldn't get well. And I think that's um, a normal, natural response. Often when we're really hurting, when something has happened that has caused deep pain, that we're just totally confused, um, it's easy to wonder, God, do you really love me? And that actually could be a whole nother sermon about how God has shown us and wants us to experience his love in those deep and painful times. But look at this verse, Romans 8, 38. Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell cannot keep God's love away. Whether we're high above the sky or in a deepest ocean, 
Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That phrase, high above the sky, I'm picturing those turbulent plains, or in the deepest ocean, being on this little boat out in the ocean with lots of turbulence. No matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, nothing in all creation, little things like viruses, big things like storms, none of that can separate us from the love of God. It's revealed to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how we know God loves us. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Do you realize that Christianity is the only religion that has a God who suffers? A God who willingly, voluntarily, because he loved us, came to earth to live like us, even though he was God, and to be tortured, unimaginably tortured, because he loved us. He went to the cross because he loved us. If we're ever doubting that he loves us in our situation, all we need to do is put our thoughts on the cross. Remember Jesus on the cross. While we were sinners, while we were still ugly to him, while we were still not paying attention to him, while we were sinners, that's when he died for us. That's great love. So the next question, my fourth question, is God with me? If I asked you right now, is God with you? You would say, of course. We all know, we know God is always with us. That's a mental knowledge that gives us great confidence that we can face whatever we're going through. But you know, it's been in the hardest times of my life that I have experienced God with me that I have felt the presence of God in unbelievable ways that I, I would have never imagined before. I told you when Bill died, he had been through 18 months of chemo treatments. And we expected, we thought it looked like he's coming through this, and yet one morning, unexpectedly, he was just gone. And he, it was at 5.30 in the morning, we were still in bed when he took his last breath. At the end of that day, it was time for me to go to bed, and I did not want to go back to that bedroom. I was emotionally more distraught than I'd ever been. I was physically exhausted. I didn't want to sleep in the recliner because that's where he spent his days. <laughs> and I didn't have another bed. I didn't have another choice. So it's like, i got to overcome this sometimes, so... I need to sleep or I'm going to fall apart. So I just kind of close my eyes, walk back to our bedroom, crawl in bed. The minute my head hit the pillow, the minute I closed my eyes, God said to me, Barb, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. At that moment, it wasn't an audible voice. It was God just um, surrounding me speaking to my heart, bringing me the comfort. Those words brought me the comfort I needed that nothing else could have given me comfort at that time, no other person. I felt God's hug in a way when he said, I will never leave you. It's in those times when we're most desperate that we really get to experience him. Psalm 46.1, now, this is Rick's favorite verse. 
And um, maybe many of you know that um, my second husband, Rick, we've been married 18 years. We were serving in Taiwan, and um, Rick is in good health. And yet, unexpectedly, he has a heart attack. And as I'm sitting in this Buddhist hospital, and I'm watching them hook Rick up to all kinds of machines to try to keep him alive. I look at Rick, and I remember this is his favorite verse that comes to mind right away. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. I'm sitting there just being bombarded with all kinds of noises and language I don't understand. I'm watching them as they're frantically working on my husband. I'm thinking, I'm in a foreign country. I don't know if I can do this, God. And God said to me, Barb, I am always available. I am an ever-present help. I am right here with you in this trouble. That is real comfort. So why does God let bad things happen? Again, that could be a whole other sermon. We know we've... From just reading the word, he does let bad things happen. One of his reasons is that, so that we can experience his power and his glory in ways that we won't get to experience if everything is going well. There's an old song from the 70s that said, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them, and I'd never see what God could do. So even in all of the bad news we have right now, this is what God says to us. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. See, our times of trouble are a time for God's glory to be seen. That's what he's doing. We have no idea how this is all going to turn out, but this is what we can be focused on and what we can be praying that God will open our eyes so that we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but instead we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, and the things we cannot see will last forever. Let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you so much that you don't leave us in the dark to try to struggle with these hard things of life by ourselves but you come right into our world when we belong to you you say come on I'm holding your hand I'll walk with you through this I am here to help you we don't need to fear you are in control your plans are being accomplished your purposes will prevail no matter what nothing can defeat what you are wanting to do so God just give us hearts that are willing to accept what comes our way to accept that you are in it. And God, instead of us asking why, let us look up to you and say, God, show me who you are. Let me see your power and glory in this. And we look forward to what you're going to do, Lord, a month from now, six months from now, a year from now. You are the glorious God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we just thank you so much for the confidence that when we put our hope in Christ, we belong to you and you're on this journey with us. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.